0: Hello and welcome to another episode of Aussie Earful. I'm Ruben Barton and I'm here with my co-host, Greg Pavlos. Hey Greg. Ruben, how's it going? No, oh, not bad, man. How are you? Oh, I can't complain. We're back for round two.
1: We uh we didn't chicken out after the first round, so let's see how this goes.
0: <laughs> yeah. I'm sure we've got some more controversial opinions up our sleeves to uh to really rile some people up. I'm counting on you for that.
1: So always got plenty of those, mate, don't worry.
0: All right, Greg, we've got some good shit to talk about again. So, we'll start off with uh, Dan Andrews and the 2026 Commonwealth Games fiasco. Then we'll move on to Qantas and the whole Qatar issue. And then once again, we'll finish up with some water cooler banter. So, I'll kick us off. And that is the Dan Andrews and 2026 Commonwealth Games fiasco. So... I don't know if you've read too much about this one, Greg, but it's a it's a pretty crazy one. Victoria was poised to hold the 2026 Commonwealth Games. Uh, it was meant to be run through regional hubs uh, throughout regional Victoria. And the government initially estimated the cost to be around 2.6 billion, but then the cost within about eight weeks or something blew out to six to seven billion dollars. So the blowout has caused. The Victorian government to withdraw as a host, um, but not before the Commonwealth Games uh, Commission advised to moving the game to Melbourne, but that was also rejected due to the costs being estimated to be $4 billion to host it in Melbourne. So the, the cancellation has cost Victoria $380 million to be paid to the Commonwealth Games Federation and a new host needs to be found which i believe gold coast is looking to get into the running so it's it's a pretty big clusterfuck <laughs> sounds like it mate
1: uh sounds like yeah it, another... so
0: a lot of people are pretty pretty unhappy yeah well wouldn't you be
1: even athletes i'd i think would be pretty upset especially if you're an australian from victoria you're like that's awesome i'm gonna have a home Commonwealth games and our good mate Dan Andrews down in yeah, Victoria yeah absolutely pulls a rug out from underneath you
0: yeah well not only the uh, not only the athletes but also the uh, the regional like the 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 government in those regional areas So the local government in those regional areas they were expecting huge investment to come from this obviously the games were meant to be hosted in all sorts of you know regional hubs around the place. So Dan Andrews in November last year ran partially on how much he'd be spending in these regional hubs. And now all of a sudden, it's not happening. The Commonwealth Games is out. So a lot of people are rightfully asking, what the hell happened here? How did this cost blowout happen and happen so quickly? Yeah. Like, how do you get
1: something so wrong? It's not like it said it's $2 billion and it's gone to three or 2 and it's gone to 4 mate. This is blown out like nothing we've ever seen before to be perfectly honest. It's ridiculous.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It's absolutely absurd. So the games chief, Craig Phillips, mm. um like I said, he he'd suggested in the Commonwealth Games Federation as a whole, I suppose, suggested to move the games from regional hubs to Melbourne because it was the regional hubs that was were said to be blowing out these costs um and so that that's six seven billion was was the regional hub estimated cost figure so they suggested moving it to melbourne because they've got a lot of the lot of the facilities already built you don't have all of the same issues um with with construction that you have with those regional hub locations this was said to have cost four. the government said it was going to cost four billion to host it in in melbourne this has been contested by craig phillips the head of the um the chief of the commonwealth games uh saying that he doesn't see how it would cost four billion and he doesn't know where that figures come from so Phil- craig phillips has said that the previous games uh held in birmingham in the uk in 2022 they cost 1.5 billion to to run so this four billion price point and the six seven billion price point is an absolute blowout of what we've seen in the past so some of the explanations or some of the reviews that have that have come out after has shown just how insane this regional hub idea was so, requirements by the Commonwealth Games Federation for athlete villages saw the cost of accommodation alone jump from an estimated 200 million to well over 1 billion. Jeez, uh, yeah. Oh. Uh, the estimated general operation price tag was close to 1.5 billion, up from an initial 1.1 billion and transport costs surged from 110 million to over 300 million while potential police and security spending ballooned to almost half a billion dollars compared to the early estimates of 200 million so you can see that the initial costings are just not adding up once these people once they've started to be reviewed so the next question that would be on your mind is who's behind all of these costings so the government is saying... I'd love to know. The government is saying EY was the primary consultancy firm used for the uh, the business case, <laughs> and they have now been called yeah. to a Senate hearing. So that was on Monday, uh, Monday just gone to the 28th. So EY have stood by their costings somehow... <laughs> which is just, just absolutely <laughs> mental. Like you're seeing the costs, these, these cost comparisons and that EY is saying we stand by it. But f- firstly, they try and distance themselves a little bit in the hearing. They say that they were essentially compiling a bunch of information from a lot of different consultants. Um, secondly, they were saying that it was really hard to cost this because there was a lot of secrecy behind the, the, I guess the details of the the Commonwealth games. So the government wasn't giving them all the details. And then another big thing that came out during the inquiry was a $200 million federal government contribution that they'd, they'd added in to the business case um, for the games, which has been confirmed by nobody. There's, there's the federal government hasn't told them this apparently. This is just just something that that Dan Andrews Labor government in Victoria told the the EY that they were going to get two hundred million dollars from from the federal government, and this has been confirmed by nobody else. So rightly so, the senators was in the uh, in their Senate hearing. Was, was questioning EY's performance on this, saying, you just take this at face value, you don't query it, you don't question it, just <laughs> making EY essentially look like a bunch of Muppets. Um, well, they've got the shift most, to blame somehow, don't they? they got to shift the blame somehow. The big four can't be yeah. taking responsibility for their work. <laughs> you <know>? <laughs> <That's> <laughs> neither, the can the neither can the government. Neither can the government. And this is where the government comes in. So Dan Andrews, has said that he would not be participating in this senate hearing and no one from his uh, no officials from his government would attend either so dan andrews has I'm taken on. a step back and said he doesn't want he's not even going to participate in the hearings
1: <laughs> mate this bloke there's there's not much good i hear about him and when you're like how can you just say i'm not going to be a part of a senate hearing for something that went so wrong it's, it's front-page news across Australia and many parts of the world that Melbourne's pulled out of the Commonwealth Games. And you want to get to the bottom of why this happened. And he's like, nah, not my issue. Someone else deal with it, not coming to the hearing, and none of my people are. Like, yeah. how, how disconnected do you have to be to do that? Oh, I don't understand.
0: Yeah, I, I mean... <laughs> And that's a lot of people have been saying that, is, and that's how this hearing had essentially come about, is that wh- why is no one taking responsibility? I mean, oh. it, it might be perfectly fine that they've canceled the games. Maybe the costs had blown out due to issues with consultants or whomever with with the initial yeah. business case, but we should at least be able to look into this, right? We should be at least be able right. to find out what was the core issue at least, so we can stop it from never happening, from ever happening again. Yeah, uh, that's right. So, obviously, the athletes very unhappy, devastated. Uh, once again, regional Victoria, they've had a loss of investment, uh, so they're less than happy. Uh, their expected budgets have, have changed now, and Philip uh, Craig Phillips. So the sporting commissioner for the commonwealth games uh he had said i would be very careful if i was an international sporting body coming and doing business in this state in the future so (laughs) as you can imagine australia's sporting reputation has taken a bit of a hit after this one Yeah.
1: yeah it sounds like it um it sort of puts takes the gloss off that that world cup which was awesome and uh Put us back in the doldrums. Can like, can we host a a worldwide sporting event? Do we have the capacity to?
0: I think one of the questions we should be asking is: Is it even worth hosting the games anymore? The Commonwealth Games, specifically, it it doesn't seem like anyone even really wants to host it. So Canada has had essentially no interest at all in hosting it. Uh, They wanted to host the twenty thirty games because that'll be the hundred year anniversary. But outside of that, Canada's not really been interested in bidding on the Commonwealth Games. And it seems like Australia is the only Commonwealth country outside of the UK interested in hosting, and that's because we do well. Yeah. So maybe maybe part of the conversation needs to shift to, is it even worth having the Commonwealth Games here in Australia anymore? Is is the cost worth it, especially with housing? uh, Well, I guess just the cost of living changing. What are your thoughts?
1: Yeah, look, I've, I've never been a or taken a major interest in the Commonwealth Games. The Olympics, I don't mind because I, I feel it's a bit more competitive because, as you said, the between Australia, New Zealand and Canada, you pretty much clean up everything. Most of the medals go yeah. to three countries. And, yeah, true. And it's not it Makes that us look entered. good. Yeah, like I love that the Australians win, but you really want to see our our athletes compete against the best in the world and the Commonwealth Games doesn't always provide that. And as, as bad as that sounds, like a, and for a sports lover, I'm not really that interested in it. And, yeah, I think it's one of those events that's just not as popular as it used to be and that's probably why a lot of these countries and cities aren't interested in, in hosting it because there's there, there's no value to it, and as you said, the cost of living's gone through the roof. So, are people going to spend that little bit of extra money that they're saving on buying tickets to the games or travelling to come see the games from another country? And um, getting here is expensive enough, and getting around the country is just as expensive. Expensive as you'd know, uh, it's, <laughs> it's uh Australia's quite. Expensive for yeah. you know, domestic travel, and uh, we'll talk about the international one later. It sort of like links in nicely. That'll lead us into our next topic. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, it's a it's it's a tough one. But I think a lot of the blame lies on the Victorian government, uh, and obviously the the consultants that have come in and somehow under budgeted this by four or five billion dollars. But then again, uh, Dan Andrews has got a history of cancelling things. So uh, I don't know if you're aware of this, but probably I think it was two elections ago, uh, the big thing was East West Link in Melbourne. So basically it was was a massive tunnel project to connect two of the major arterials in Melbourne. It would take a lot of the pressure off the city. And Dan Andrews ran with the fact that he was going to cancel that project and start a new one. But also by cancelling that project, it wouldn't cost the state any money. But it ended up costing them around $1.1 billion to cancel the
0: project. And, and, and was there any investigation into that, do you know?
1: Um, there, there was. There was like an Auditor General sort of finding. But at the end of the day, what what could they do? They just... Said well taxpayers have now copped a 1.1 billion dollar loss basically for no you know improvement in in infrastructure
0: yeah i mean that's that's a tough one i I would have thought they would investigate that one as well to to kind of find out you know how how that occurred Uh, but maybe maybe there was a bit of politics going on as there is with this one by the looks of it where the government doesn't want to cooperate the victorian government doesn't want to cooperate
1: yeah, well, basically he went in and said, "Well, everyone voted for me canceling the East West Link. That's why I got in." And then uh, he cancelled it, and he's like, "Well, it, it was supposed to cost three hundred and thirty nine million to scrap it, but it ended up costing you know one point one billion And uh, I think a lot of the a lot of the coverage around it was that. The promise was that it wasn't going to cost us this much and, and $1.1 billion is a lot of money. That, that could be spent on new hospitals or schools or lots of things. So, as I said, he's got a uh, <laughs> a history of cancelling things when it suits him and he doesn't seem to care that it costs the taxpayer any money.
0: Well, that leads us into the next, the next portion of this, which is the sides of the issues. So, Dan Andrews would argue with you and he would say that, he is considering the cost of of the policy and of the of the project and that is why he is cancelled so his his primary argument is this cost a lot more than our initial expectations so we have to cancel the games for the for the good of the victorian people and he has said in lieu of the games funding uh There will be a $2 billion spending package for regional Victoria, $600 million less the initial promised investment into housing for the Games. Uh, The package includes $1 billion for regional housing fund to build 1,300 new homes across regional Victoria. And he says to critics who say uh, that he's trashed Victoria's reputation, he says i don't want us to have a reputation as being a place where people can't find a place to live so his argument is bottom line i care about i care about the budget i care about the cost of things i want to do what's best for the victorian people that's why i'm cancelling the event because the money can be used more effectively by cancelling the event and not and not spending out on the blowout budget Now, the opposition has said this is more of an indicator that Dan Andrews and his government doesn't know how to handle a budget. They don't know how to price a project. Thus, this whole fiasco has happened. And furthermore, they're very disappointed, or at least they say they're disappointed, in the way that he's handled the Senate hearings uh, by essentially shrouding his government in a cloak of secrecy and and not coming coming to the table and trying to explain what happened and how it happened so those are kind of the two sides um, opposition is angry that he's that he's cov- that it seems like he's covering it up he doesn't seem interested in coming to the table and talking about what's happened dan andrews is saying he's saved his his Made a tough decision, but the right decision, and cancelled the games that were going to cost his state a lot of money. So, I mean, my 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 opinion of this is, I guess, twofold. I mean, if what Dan Andrews is saying is true, that he'd come to the table with with a proposal, the proposal was the budget that that they expected for the games he'd set it as regional hubs so that he could um benefit those in those regional areas rather than just melbourne which already sees a lot of funding and then the budget just blew out so he made a purely fiscal decision to to cancel the games to to save money for his state i think that's a good thing but i think if that is the case he should just come forward and and be honest about what's happened and be open and have some transparency about about what happened so we we can get to the bottom of it. I mean, isn't isn't that what democracy is all about? Is is knowing what's happened and how it's happened so the voter can make informed decisions in the future. And I, I forgot to mention something earlier. A, a lot of the opposition has has criticised Dan Andrews. For essentially, they're considering it a, a bit of a conspiracy. In that he he bid for this and and participated in in the in the initial host the initial bid for the hosting of the games, so he could essentially win his election last year in November. Uh, so he could promise these regional areas a whole bunch of funding that they wouldn't have otherwise perhaps gotten, and, and this is what. Swung him over the line is is what the opposition argues, and now that he's gotten what he wants, now he's made the promises and he's got elected, he's he's happy just to can it. I don't know if that's true. I, I mean, <laughs> I know Dan Andrews is a bit of a, a a controversial character in Australian politics, but I like to think that he's he's got he's got his people's best interest at heart, and this is just uh, at worst a screw up from incompetence and at best a mistake made due to trusting you know maybe some pretty dodgy bidding on the on the behalf of consultancy firms yeah I, I have to agree with you on the fact that
1: probably cancelling it was the correct decision in terms of the cost and what you'd get back just a. Uh, you know, ROI uh, calculation. But I, I also agree with you that the yeah. fact that if it was the right thing to do and he's got nothing to hide, why isn't he part of this Senate hearing? And why isn't he being open and transparent? And I And I lose a lot of respect for him for the fact that he's refusing to be a part of it because that tells me that there's something else behind it and that he doesn't want anyone to find out because if you had nothing to hide, why wouldn't you just be a part of it? What you if you're trying to do the right thing?
0: Yeah, I mean that, that, that's a good why, question. Why don't you want to be part of it? It's a good question. It, it it just comes across as is so dodgy that he doesn't want to come come to the table. I mean, I feel like what it, what a good governor should do in this situation, or a good minister. Is, is come forward and say, this is where the mistake has happened. Let's work out why it happened so we can yeah. stop it from happening in the future. I mean, that to me is what, what, a, what a good governor does, what someone who, who cares about the governing of the country does. And, you know, trying to hide from the problem, it just doesn't look good. No, no, matter, no matter who's at fault or, you know, how it happened, it doesn't look good trying to just hide I from heard. it. Couldn't agree more mate surprisingly we agree on that so let's move on to our next subject greg which uh, you're in charge of oh, the qatar airline fiasco oh yes one of my uh, favorite topics aviation
1: i uh, <laughs> as you all get to know i'm a bit of an av geek i love my airplanes and everything to do with travel and aviation so this story's right up my alley but a lot of people would have heard about this story. I'm not sure if you've heard
0: about it, Ruben. Not too much. I've only really heard of the Senate hearings that have just happened. So this is all new to me.
1: Okay. So, yeah, so the Senate hearings are quite recent. Uh, but this has been a oh, an ongoing story for quite, quite a number of months and even years. So uh, basically, Qatar is limited to flying into Perth, Brisbane, Sydney and Melbourne once a day so in the, into those four major ports they can do 28 flights a week basically four ports by seven flights seven days a week at 28 uh, sure but recently they've been wanting to increase that to 49 flights so adding an extra 21 flights a week just to add some more seats obviously they see it as a profit some profitable routes australians are uh, quite big travelers and as you as we've seen this year mate everyone that we knows has been overseas especially since we've been locked up for a couple of years with covid everyone seems to want to get out and you got to remember yeah, australia- i think
0: covid's certainly been driving the air travel recently now that it's all over especially especially those, those poor buggers who are stuck in melbourne for so long <laughs> yep and um and you got to remember australia is a very
1: multicultural com- uh, country so you want to go back and see family or Go back to the part of the world that you're originally from and we're always you know jumping on the plane and heading overseas and it's not exactly close to get to a lot of these places so qatar provides one of those links where it's it's really uh you know effective to fly them because you fly into the middle east and basically you can fly anywhere from there in the world within about eight hours i think there's a stat within eight hours of doha you can basically fly to 70 or 80 percent of the world's population which is wild uh wow. so that, that that's why those airlines in the middle east do so well because they're just so well positioned uh but getting back to the uh <laughs> the fiasco here so qatar requested to fly 20 more fl- 21 more flights per week and it was rejected by the labor government and most people would go okay. why like
0: isn't more flights better uh yeah, yeah, sure. I mean, that, that's that's what the free market's all about, right? Let's bring more flights in. 100%. But the Australian government said it uh, would go
1: against Australia's national interest, which is a very weird thing to say. One being extra flights would bring the price of flights down for all of us. Uh, the cost of an international ticket is approximately 50% higher than it was pre-COVID at the moment. So you'd think the national interest would be to have, you know, more affordable flights, both in and out of Australia. So the government said it was because of the national interest. Uh, a lot of people have said the reason is Qantas and the governments want to protect Qantas which is quite weird considering they just announced a record $2.6 billion profit the other day. So it doesn't
0: sound like... So they're, make, they're making money. Yeah, it
1: doesn't sound like they need much protecting, to be honest. Um,
0: that's, that's that's the national interest, mate. Yeah. The dollars and cents. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but then again, you I don't know if you've looked at a Qantas flight lately, mate, but they are so expensive to get out of Australia. They... They just monopolise. Oh
0: yeah, I mean even domestic flights, oh. even domestic flights here are quite expensive.
1: Yeah, they are. They're up over fifteen percent as well, uh, and that's adjusting for and that's adjusting for inflation. So it's actually a lot more. Uh, so Qantas seems to like to monopolise certain routes and basically beat out any you know competition. Uh, and this is what Qantas does. It does it a lot on you know, routes within Australia that a lot of airlines don't fly, so into mining towns and smaller regional airports where they'll they'll just undercut all these other airlines till it's not worth those other airlines flying it and then they'll bump up the prices once that airline sort of jumps out of that route. It's uh not great for competition and the A triple C's been all over that lately with Qantas and that that's another reason why they they didn't let the uh, merger or the acquisition with Alliance Airlines go ahead because they thought it would, you know, be
0: detrimental to competition. But anyway, so that, that that's the... I mean, it's already pretty detrimental to competition, right? Like Qantas, Qantas is our biggest airline by a country mile. And they also own uh, Jetstar, don't they? They
1: do. Yes, it's a subsidiary. Yeah, so, and that, yeah, so you've got that low-cost arm as well,
0: which is... A major part of, so there's really no one to compete. There's no one to compete no. already. <laughs> no, so really, so
1: this is why people are baffled by uh, the Australian government projecting uh, the the approach by Qatar to fly those 21 more flights. But the third reason why they think the government has said no is in regards to those Australian women who are suing the airline. Over the unlawful physical contact they received in Doha in October of 2020, do you do you remember that story, or did you hear about that story?
0: Um, I do not remember. So refresh, refresh
1: me. So basically, uh, in October of 2020, the the police at Doha Airport found a child left in a plastic bag, basically dumped in the airport. Uh yeah so and they had no idea who who the mother was and uh where they'd gone so all these women were pulled off this flight uh, in doha these australian women and they were basically strip searched to a point where they checked if they'd recently given birth uh i won't go into the details of how that
0: occurs I was about to ask how how do you go on about checking that in a humane you know non-invasive way
1: Uh, there's not many ways especially when it's done by by police uh, or armed guards in this case these armed guards pull these ladies off the plane and basically strip search them for remnants of pregnancy or a recent pregnancy so it was it was yeah, it was quite full-on. Uh, so these women are suing uh, Qatar Airlines. but uh, Qatar is trying to prove that the men in in these uniforms or these armed arm guards who took the women off the plane were actually Qatari police and they are under instruction from Qatar's ministry. Um, and it wasn't the airline that forced the searches so that's what they're trying to prove in court at the moment and i think that's another reason why the government may have said no because of these ongoing court proceedings so it's a bit it's a bit messy there's a lot of factors at play here Uh, but i'm not sure what you think uh reuben but uh, it's, it's a bit of a messy one but from from my point of view i i believe that those extra 21 flights would have been really beneficial to Australia in many
0: ways. From what I've seen, what Qantas was was arguing on their side of things was Qantas runs into these same restrictions in other countries. They have limited flight paths and limited, you know, flight amounts that they're allowed to run in Qatar, in you know, all all over the world, all over the world. So they were arguing that. If they're running into these, these issues overseas, it is unfair for them to have to compete in an even market here in Australia. Now, I'm not sure what the, what the airline market looks like over in the UK. There might be more competition over there. So maybe that's not actually a, a very good argument. But on the surface, I, I kind of see where they're coming from. Uh, but obviously the problem here is, is, that, is that Qantas essentially has an, a monopoly on the flight industry. I, I can't really think of anyone who holds a, holds a torch to them as an airline here. Qantas also had to defend themselves from their lobbying. So for this issue, it turns out they did quite a bit of lobbying for the government. Now, I'm not sure what this lobbying looks like, and the Senate... Uh, inquiry did ask how much they had spent on lobbying over the past couple of years and they refused to detail how much did. this is almost one of the more concerning parts to me is how is it that a lobbying group doesn't have to have transparency on how much they're spending it feels like to me if, if we're going to allow lobbying in our government allow money into the government the people should at least be able to see where the money's going and and how much is being spent otherwise you know how are we meant to know who controls what and what interests po- some politicians might have so exactly. like you th- that should
1: be disclosed because if exactly. decisions are being made based on lobbying and you can't and you refuse to disclose the value of the lobbying, or what you would you've been doing as part of the lobbying, I think that's that's really against the spirit of you know of democracy. Yeah, we get back to so that. Yeah, it's it's a lot like the Dan Andrews thing where he just refuses to be a part of the <laughs> hearing, and Qantas is basically doing yeah. the same
0: by refusing to answer these questions. I mean, it seems like these Senate inquiries don't find out anything because, as we were speaking about in our last story, Ey was was pretty unresponsive in their Senate hearing as well in terms of they were saying they weren't, a, they weren't able to answer questions due to confidential confidentiality with the client being the the uh, Victorian government. And it, it just seems absurd. Like does the, does the Senate inquiry just have no teeth? Like what's the point of having these inquiries if they're not going to find out any information? It seems pointless. seems like
1: another waste of money to be honest. It's uh
0: yeah, exactly. I mean, if if the if the Senate if the Senate inquiry is not going to do anything or find anything out, and the public is never going to find out the information themselves, then let's not even waste money and let's not even pretend we're a democracy anymore. Let's just you know have the oligarchs rule us. <laughs> that's 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 more my extremist view. <laughs> I can't agree more, mate. I'm <laughs> glad we're on the same page <laughs> tonight.
1: Uh, but
0: you, you you're swinging me more I, right. I, I, I am one. <laughs> <laughs> I'm becoming more like you. So, the, the final, the final interesting little thing that came from the Senate hearing was Qantas have a pretty bad repu- reputation in Sydney for cancelling flights, particularly the S- Sydney to Melbourne flights. So, one in ten of those flights are cancelled. So, the, the inquiry was asking about is Qantas overbooking their, their, the flight slots for that uh, particular flight path in order to keep competition out of the market? Because, I mean, with a one in 10 cancellation, I don't know how many that's a day, but I think they fly every 30 minutes, that flight path. So that very regularly, there's multiple cancellations on that flight path a day. So it, it, it seems a little bit, anti-competition in the market once again that what how Qantas operates yeah so you've got to remember that um the
1: Sydney to Melbourne route is the second busiest airline route in the world so not in Australia in the world by number of flights per day or per week it's the second busiest in the world wow so yeah so that's a very profitable little uh journey that one for Qantas and there's that's obviously why they've started asking these questions about the consistent cancellations because obviously they own these slots in Melbourne and Sydney and these these flight slots and as long as they're you know selling tickets and flying it you know most of the time they're not going to lose those slots and it's still very valuable for them to keep it even if they're cancelling one in every 10 so it's uh, some more you know dodgy Uh, tactics there from from Qantas. And and not to say that other airlines don't do this. So for Qatar in this instance, we'll get get back to them. They actually fly a flight into Melbourne, but the final destination is Adelaide. So they've got two flights a day that fly out of Melbourne. The way they get away with this is the flight flies uh, Doha, Melbourne, Melbourne, Adelaide. The thing is, they can't, (laughs) they're not allowed to sell tickets between just Melbourne and Adelaide. But they're allowed to sell tickets from Adelaide back to Doha, Melbourne back to Doha, and vice versa. So this gets around that rule where they're only allowed to fly into Melbourne once a day. So,
0: So they sell tickets for, you know, just the portion of the leg that a customer might be interested in, I assume.
1: Yeah, so they'll either sell Melbourne Doha or Adelaide Doha, just add Melbourne in as a stopover on that flight to circumvent the rules of uh, one direct flight a day to Melbourne because it's not a flight to Melbourne. Melbourne is just a stopover. What do you think the solution is to all of this? I, th- I think the, the government needs to open up our airline industry to some competition uh, we have some of the most expensive airfares in the world here in australia and uh, traveling overseas is is very expensive we live a long way away from most of the population of the earth so getting there isn't easy it isn't cheap and even the other way around like we want people to come here and spend money in australia and spend money at our small businesses and our tourism you know businesses as well and i think there was a um There was an estimated cost to tourism industry that we'd lose from not allowing these flights in, and it was nearly $800 million a year. we? So so, by the government saying it's not in the best interest of the country to allow these flights in, I don't see it. It may not even be the best interest of Qantas, but Qantas doesn't, you know, isn't the be all and end all for Australia. We need to think of the people as well, not just our national carrier
0: so and and what would you what would you say to Qantas when they say it's unfair for them to domestically have to compete with an airline with you know more options than they're given in in that airline's home country so in our example Qatar gets more flights here than is granted to Qantas in Qatar
1: I'd say to Qantas uh Put more flights on, lower your prices, even provide a better service. Because I don't think many people have heard about Qantas's great service recently. Have you?
0: <laughs>
1: no. If 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 anything, there's just been more complaints and disappointment with with Qantas, and I don't see a need to protect them, considering they're making record profits and their customer service is generally very poor. It, if anything, I think uh, competition would be good for Qantas because it would you know, force their hand on improving things that they don't have to now because they basically have a monopoly. So as much as the government wants to protect Qantas, and I don't know why, may have to do something with that uh, lobbying. But I, I think we need to start looking at allowing more airlines to f- more flights into the country to make it better for everyone.
0: So I think we can move on to our final little segment, which is the water cooler banter. So today's water cooler banter is about a TikTok trend. Now this TikTok trend mm. is an interesting one because it is encouraging tax fraud. So I found Love this. It. I found this story when getting my own finances together to to uh, do my own taxes, <laughs> and you know I considered it because it sounded like a good money making scheme but essentially social media influencers have helped entice thousands of people to claim fraudulent refunds on the GST that they've never actually paid so the social media posts would essentially promise that the refunds were like a temporary loan from the government and they would and and you know it was it was all above board and now a bunch of these you know, taxpayers and and people who participated in this fraud, stupid enough to think it wasn't a fraud, and I suppose some of them knew it was a fraud, are being arrested and, and you know, facing prison sentences and other legal action. So how it worked is people would open up an ABN and then they would claim a false GST refund on amounts Uh, fictitious amounts uh that they would would say was relevant to opening up their business and then the government during tax time would refund them that gst value and some of these people were were claiming hundreds of thousands of dollars in business expenses to get hefty refunds hundreds of thousands (laughs) of dollars (laughs) now oh my God. i know what you're thinking you're thinking the government would have jumped on this pretty quickly because the one crime that the government does not want you committing is tax fraud because at the end of the day they all they care about is money of course yeah. <laughs> but this all started in late 2020 when westpac and a few other banks found a bunch of odd transactions and received from the ATO and they contacted the RBA or ATO or whoever and said, there's a bunch of weird transactions coming through. We need to, we need to do something about it. And it wasn't until mid 2021 when the scam became more widely known that the ATO started paying attention. Actually, they hadn't actually started paying attention at this point. So 2020, the, the banks raised it as a problem in 2021, it becomes quite a big trend on TikTok and thousands of users are committing tax fraud using this method. And then in 2022, the ATO launched Operation Prodigo to investigate all these scams. How much do you think was scammed? I'm going to guess. I'll say half a billion. <laughs> Try... billion. Fuck off.
1: No. (laughs) Four point
0: seven billion people. Four point seven billion dollars. So the ATO revealed they had stopped two point seven billion in fake GST refunds as of twenty twenty three. The ATO had also admitted that it actually paid out one point six billion to people who had made fake GST claims. So one point six billion was ultimately paid out.
1: that's not a little bit of. Money.
0: Yeah. That's that's brilliant. Yeah, so, so the moral of the story is the dangers of TikTok isn't Chinese spies, but morons being tricked into committing financial fraud. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that if they're dumb enough to believe what they hear on TikTok.
0: Yeah, exactly. So oh, that, that's good. That is, it's just like the most absurd story I've ever heard. I can't believe it. I can't believe people committed this fraud thinking that they weren't doing anything wrong. Yeah, no. That's awesome. So uh, FY24, you know, maybe maybe we can uh, claim a bit of a refund. Greg, what do you reckon? On this for the loss we're making? Oh, I think that's a great idea. (laughs) All right. All right, well, I think that pretty much wraps us up, right, Greg? Or do you have anything else to add? No, I think we've, we've covered our
1: topics for today and had, had a bit of a laugh as well along the way, so it's been good.
0: Well, um, to our listeners, reach out to us on Instagram with your interesting stories that you've that you've run into and we can read them out on the podcast if we find any that that are really particularly interesting or just your opinions on some of the things we've spoken about today so you can find us on instagram at aussie earful uh and we're also on twitter now or x rather uh also at aussie underscore earful let's call it a wrap see you later
1: thanks Ruben. see ya